welcome to another episode of Fools Daily. Um, I am joined today by a plethora of people. See, do you like the word plethora? It's good, isn't it? Um, because decided that we're going to have a chat about our ongoing D&D session, because I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, so, I have, going round the table, which basically is going round my little Skype thing, um, I have Mr. Joel Henry. Hello, hello. Who appears to be dying. I yes, have uh, nice. Mr. Chris Donaldson. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I have Mr. Andy Winton. Hello. I have Mrs. Kathy Winton. Hello. And I have Master James Winton. Hello. So James's mic is broken, so he's a bit echoey. Just a little bit. Which, considering he plays online gaming all the time, I'm slightly disappointed with, but there you go. You don't talk to people online. Oh, okay. Um, so we're going to talk about our D&D campaign, and, well, Joel's D&D campaign, really, that we just get to participate in, and um, about our characters and the history where we are. And my hope is, is that we will do these sorts of sessions after every couple of gaming sessions so we can catch people up and become the new critical role, and then we can have figures made of us. Oh, dear. That's what Hero Forge is for. I would look lovely as a figure. It'll take a lot of plastic, though. (laughs) So, um, we'll do a 30-second... Because you've heard from Joel before, because he's been on the show before. So, Joel, you don't have to do a 30-second gaming history introduction. Woohoo! Because you've done one before. Um, But no one else has been on the show before. So... Um, we'll start with, um, again, we'll just go across my list. So, Chris, that puts you up first. Ah, super. Uh, <laughs> um, it's my first D&D campaign. I've not really played D&D before. Um, I got into the gaming scene during Malifaux 2nd Edition and just been playing since then, really. And, Chris, we should point out that Chris is a youth. Uh, yeah. How old are I you, am. Chris? Uh, I'm 20. I'm going to be 21 this September. So he is practically a baby. Yeah, basically. Um, I, mean, I was a baby squig. So. <laughs> what's, what's the name of your character? Uh, my current character is called Garmir. Yeah, we'll come to why it's a current character. <laughs> as we go. Um, okay, and what class are you? Uh, I am a sorcerer. A sorcerer. See, I told you it was a sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> right, next up we have Mr. Andy Winton. Hello. Yeah, um, where to start? I've been playing since I was about sort of 12. Playing D&D in the original D&D, not even advanced. Carried on into Wargaming. Played a lot of Warhammer while it was still Warhammer. Um, stopped playing. And then Cathy said, well, I like these Malifaux figures. Why don't we try this? And that started me back into it again. But also board gaming and every other gaming you can comfortably imagine. Yes, we should point out, the Winton's house is a shrine to gaming. I'm quite jealous, really. Less of a shrine and more of a tip. (laughs) At the moment, anyway. (laughs) Bit of both. Uh, Cathy, you're next. Um, Well, I played in my first D&D campaign when I was probably about 16. With so a group of friends couple, I knew from school. Yeah, not long ago, not long ago. Um, I actually met Andy at a, a gaming club um, that I went to with friends. 
Uh, he, as he said, played Warhammer and I got roped into writing the little stories the night before the campaign and finishing off all the painting that hadn't been done the night before the campaign. <laughs> That's um, the way it's supposed to be. And then, yes, from there, sort of never really played GW stuff or what have you, but like the look of Malifaux, so started playing that, started going to tournaments, met lots of people, play PC games as well, uh, board games, other tabletop games now as well, and that's it really. And now apparently I am playing 40k. How are you? Well, I have a Blood Angels and I've played a couple of games. Oh dear. <laughs> um, James, you're next. Yeah, so uh, I've been playing D&D since I was nine or ten, started fourth edition, so I know that's a bit of a touch up if anyone that plays D&D, but I enjoyed it. Um, before that, was playing World of Warcraft, uh, other sort of video games. Um, still play a fair amount of video games uh, to this day on PC and console. Like both my parents played Malifaux, um, other various war games. Um, play quite a lot of 40k and yeah, just sort of generally play games. Right. James is also a youth. James, how old are you? 19, almost 20. So, um, so we should point out if it's not blatantly obvious, Andy and Kathy are married and James is their son. <laughs> um, and uh, there are two other members of our D&D group that aren't here, um, who is John Donaldson, which, who is Chris's dad, and my younger daughter, Emily, who basically refused to come on the show today. <laughs> she said, you can go and do it yourself, but I'm not coming on it. But she also said that I wasn't allowed to say that she wasn't coming on it because that she didn't want to come on it because she thought it was silly. Maybe so, we can get her on next time. Well, we, you, I shall leave it to you guys to persuade her because I Your failed miserably. Just record at the table next time, we're fine. <laughs> um, Andy, what character are you playing? Uh, I'm playing Valen Moss, the gnome fighter. <laughs> quotation marks on the yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you didn't see the quotation marks on gnome, did you? No. No. Kathy? Yes. Uh, I am playing Trissa Seaborn, who is a human, air quotes, cleric. <laughs> She's not a cleric. <laughs> um, and, uh, James? Uh, I'm playing Obelisk, the Earth Ganassi fighter. Who actually is an Earth Ganassi fighter. <laughs> yeah, yes. No quotations yes. on that one. No. Um, and I'm playing Krunk, who is a half-orc barbarian, um, but he's... Not actually, a, well, he is a barbarian, but he's multiclassed over to fighter. He's a civilized barbarian. He is a civilized barbarian because he wasn't really a barbarian; that was just his brain injury. Um, and we have two other, the two others. Um, Emily is playing Zara, who is a wood elf ranger. That's right, yeah. Um, and John is playing Clanky. I'm sure he's got a real (laughs) name, but he wears a lot of metal armor and is very noisy. So uh, Crunk calls him Clanky. Um, Yeah, Nordok, who is a dwarf fighter cleric. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. So um, we are all playing in Joel's world. And I would be lying if I could, A, 
tell you anything about the world or B, even knew what it was called because Crunk is not the brightest and doesn't pay a lot of attention when Joel is giving us historical background. Unlike Kathy, who makes copious notes and then tells me later if there was something important I missed. So, Joel, <laughs> why don't you set the scene of where we all are? You go. This might be your actual chance to catch up because you could listen to this on playback. Oh, that's um, true. That's a good point. There will <laughs> so be a test a, next session. You can sift for clues. <laughs> um, okay, it's a homebrew world of mine um, called Eden, spelled A E D E M. So Eden with an A in front. Um, the campaign world uh, where you guys are adventuring at the moment is an archipelago made up of about 15 or eight, fifteen to 18 islands, if you count the ones that haven't been explored at all yet. Uh, and the, all the races moved there just under 200 years ago. Uh, they were forced out of their sort of mainland homelands uh, by the coming of the Shadow. Um, which you know, sort of ravaged through all their uh, kingdoms, killed off the human royal family, uh, we think, and uh, they were basically forced to free or be annihilated. Um, so they fled out to this archipelago, uh, where they encountered two races who were already living here, the gnomes and the halflings, and have spent time sort of colonising this area, um, hoping that the shadow wouldn't chase them into the ocean. Uh, Things went swimmingly for a while, but uh, the Shadow did manage to get to First Home, the first island that was colonised, and take it, um, causing great upheavals everywhere else. So there's lots of uh, background with the different races, you know, those who want to head back to the home ones. There's political struggles between the various kingdoms and islands now. And, um, yeah, you guys have been dropped into the mix of this. All right, so we've got a load of islands. Um, we had to do a mission. Now, I wasn't involved in the first session, uh, so by the time the second session turned up, um, everyone else had already leveled up one, and um, we met up in a forest, and I do not remember anything that we did. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, this is good, because it means that I won't talk. And apart from to interject when, you know, you're obviously denigrating the mighty crunk. And um, we can catch the listeners up with where we actually are. So okay. who's going to, who who wants to be the, the, the team spokeswoman, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're throwing her under the bus or anything. Right, okay, yes. so, so, so the fact that on my laptop I have opened the history that I've written, the start of the campaign notes that I've typed up and I've got my notebook next to me. And see, you're prepared. You knew what was going to happen. <laughs> that very first session um, was myself, Andy, James and John. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically us all arriving in Oakhurst, um, a village in the north of an island called Sunsfall. Um, where we found that the village was under attack from swarms of insects, that the water had gone funny, and we were basically asked if we would help find out what was going on. Um, So we headed into a forest nearby. Um, 
lost arrows. Oh, actually, I was going to say, I should point out at that point, James's character was not an Earth Ganassi fighter. But again, we'll come to that later. Oh, yeah. James, who was your character then? Uh, at that point, it was Aldemar, the human rogue. <laughs> so we, we, we worked our way through the forest, basically, um, ignoring, well, being distracted by small rustles in the shrubs, um, finding, air quotes, finding uh, a number of giant spiders by dint of them falling on top of Nordak. who hadn't spotted them in the trees. Um, And uh, finding the river and finding that it wasn't very nice and parts of the forest were rotting away and and what have you. And eventually realising that these rustles in the shrubs were actually things that were trying to direct us on a certain path. So having ignored it all the way through the forest, we then decided to try and follow it. And we ended up in a grove of... uh, well, it was a grove clearing with nothing but a large oak in it. And a dryad came out of the oak. And having had a conversation with her, it turned out that she was responsible for the insects um, being sent to Oakhurst because she was trying to persuade the villagers to leave the village because they were bringing danger to the to the grove, to her tree. Um, Did we kill her? No, we didn't kill her. Oh. Yes, was Crunk nice. wasn't around at that point. <laughs> so she lived. We did, however, <laughs> kill the ankeg that appeared in the grove, and we did kill the tree blights that appeared in the grove. You'll be pleased to hear. Excellent. Yeah. We should, we should um, kill more things. Mm. I think you're doing pretty well at that already, Crunk. <laughs> and it was, it was on the way back out from the grove to go and investigate the source of the river, which was the other part of what we'd been asked to do that we came then across Crunk and um, Dury. And Charity. Charity, yes. Yes. So so Charity, we should explain. Um, Emily was originally playing Dury, a dwarf cleric, um, who was basically, she got very bored of playing, so had a quick character switch. And my elder daughter, Rebecca, started off playing, and she was playing a tiefling rogue. Does anyone play tieflings that aren't rogues, by the way? Yes. Yes, yes. I play a tiefling warlock. Tiefling paladin. Tiefling Garmer. paladin? Garmir yeah. is a tiefling. Garmir is a tiefling. Yeah, but he's a sorcerer, and he's not really, is he? He's pretty he's evil. He's played by I'm... Chris, he's bound to what? be evil. Um... So yes, so but Charity uh, no longer is in the group, and as we say, Jury transformed into Zara. So we met. Then what happened? Um, then we killed things. We we well yeah you know there were goblins. We killed goblins. Um, we killed bandits because we found our way up to the source of the river uh, along the way, killing goblins and bandits. Um, oh. You might want to tell the story of, of uh, Crunk and the pool of water, though, Mike. What, the burning um, water? The loss of our first party member, Dwayne. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, the, what, worry, yeah, okay. Um, Crunk being, um, at, this, at that point, quite stupid. Um, he was Intelligence 8 at that point. Um decided that uh, there was a 
tentacle beast thing that came out of a pool of water. So Krunk, being Krunk, um, jumped into the pool of water to fight it. Uh, heroically saving the rest of the party because that's what he does um and uh he had a pet rock called Dwayne that talked to him um and certain cruel players were using messages to make it actually talk to him which confused the poor man half-orc a lot so it was a group of players not just one no it was you you were the only one that had message <laughs> no but dad made it levitate oh yeah <laughs> yeah with mage hand at, at this point um i realized that my fellow players were not going to get into the spirit of having a um rock as a god for crunk so he accidentally lost it in this pool of water Mainly so that they couldn't torment me during gaming sessions. Because I felt that was a bit harsh. I missed out on this. You were? You weren't there yet? No. You weren't there. But yes, so Crunk heroically fought and slew a water tentacle beast. Note, it ran away. Heroically floating. Running away is practically admitting that you're going to die. Very true. Um, or the fact that it was bored with us and just went on to kill all the things. You see the negativity I have to put up with, gentle listener. This is what it's like. This is what it's like in the sessions. Crunk tries to bravely take us forward and they're all going, oh, let's not bother. You're here. When we get to the last time session. Anyway. Right. So, yes, fought the thing. Um, then what did we do? We returned back to Oakhurst um, alongside a prisoner who Krunk had knocked unconscious about three times and Dewey and I had brought back from the brink of death. Questioned. Knocked unconscious. At one point, you dropped him running into the building. (laughs) I don't remember that. I'm not sure that's true. Oh, it's totally true. Does anyone anyone else remember that? Yes. Hang on, hang on. The only people there, Emily wasn't, Emily's not here to to report you know, confirm that that happened. But yes, thank you, the others. They can't remember running into traps. That is true. <laughs> yeah, they, have to, they have to test it twice to make sure they remember it next time. Uh, if I remember wrongly, I did. <laughs> so yes, we uh, we returned to Oakhurst um, to find out that the village had been attacked. I seem to remember that the mayor took about three or six points of psychic damage from listening to Crunk's explanation of what had happened. Yeah, it was a Crunk's Crunk's monologues are quite um, amusing but hard to follow sometimes. Yes, it has turned it has turned the thing that one of the one of the joys of role playing, as I'm sure a lot of you know, is you your characters develop as you go and based on the people that you're playing with and we we should point out apart from Andy Kathy and James who played together we'd never all played Dungeons and Dragons together before no um so we had no idea how our non-gaming well we knew how our non-gaming personalities would mesh because we've known each other for you know six seven years but we wouldn't we didn't know how our Dungeons Dragons personalities I'm waving my arms again um, our Dungeons Dragons personalities would um, merge together so 
our characters have sort of developed their relationships and they've gone all, in a natural in a very natural way rather than it being oh i'm this and so therefore i'm going to do this because joel hasn't been enforcing really a sort of any sort of alignment type things on it so our characters have developed very naturally um and one of crunk's things is that he does do monologues when he has to explain <laughs> what's and going as, to happen. Next time you do one of those, you could have to give us warning until we can record it. Yes. <laughs> yes. As players at the table, they are they are a thing of beauty to hear. <laughs> and usually require 10 minutes recovery time afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, we returned to Oakhurst to find that the village had been attacked um, and that some of the children had been taken by what seemed to be animated rotted trees. So we headed out again, um, following their trail, and we came across one of the children at the same time as we found a hellhound. Oh, yeah, um, we kill- and we killed that. Yeah, not before a few people stood in front of it as it breathed fire all over us, though, I seem to recall. Well, that's happened multiple times, <laughs> We know where I'm not stand in front of it. So, uh, so, so yes, we we we'd gone along with somebody from the village, and she went back with the child while we carried on. Um, and we found an encampment. Killed them. Now, I would point out at this point because going back and writing up various notes, there are things then that come back to me, and I think, oh my god, that was so fantastic and one of the things i remember about that encampment fight is not only the fact that my my figure uh, trissa completely froze because she just went into this panic of oh what am i doing what am i doing because sort of two weeks prior to this she was literally just a con woman trying to plan a con and all of a sudden now she's in the middle of these fights and things um but the other thing i remember from that is charity yeah um Aldemar had gone to try and take out the sentries and he'd taken out one but the other had managed to raise the alarm and Charity decided what she was going to do was she was going to shimmy up the stone wall of this ruined building and she grabbed hold of the archers I think there were two or three archers on the wall that were firing down at us and she grabbed them by the ankles and managed to get some fantastic rolls to literally pull them off the walls and throw (laughs) them on the floor and she went along the wall doing this to a number of them just pulling them off the wall and throwing them on the floor perfect sort of tomb raider stealthing it was fantastic i'd forgotten that i've just remembered um that i caught that rock when we got attacked by the goblins you did actually yes yes Boulder. Boulder. Natural 20 to catch it. (laughs) Crunk the mighty. So yes, and we met more hellhounds in the encampment. Killed them. This time knowing not to stand in front of them, I seem to recall. Um, Yeah, they got released after the ground and then the the doors were shut behind them. (laughs) Yeah, there was a noticeable moment when we realised that the bandits looked about as frightened of these things as we did, even though they were the ones that would release them on us. And I think then Crunk went on a little nighttime adventure, and unfortunately, he went with Charity, who isn't here to describe it in a sensible way, so I suppose Crunk will have to... Oh, yeah! Yeah. Um, so, I was, on, I was on guard duty, and... Um... Joel, as his want, said, make a test. I can't remember the name of the test. Um, I, well, yeah. I struggle. I still struggle with the whole 
there are prescribed, you know, there's this whole list of prescribed things. And, you know, that you've effectively got all these abilities, like intimidation and inspiration, you know, you know, you know one of the ones I mean. Yeah. And I still struggle with that and the fact that you have to make this test and this test because, you know, last time I played it was make a roll and the dungeon master would decide whether that was, gonna, was a high enough roll. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and so anyway, we had the, we had this roll, and Joel said, make this test, and I rolled, and I rolled a 20, which meant I heard this thing fly past, and then went and looked, and there was we were at the edge of a cliff, and there was a waterfall, and so Crunk wrapped a rope round himself and swung through the waterfall into, some, into this big cave that was behind the waterfall, and um, there were some gargoyle things that Crunk gave a club into, and we killed them. And then eventually everyone else came down, and um, we've discovered, or Crunk had discovered, practically Sherlock Holmes, um, a secret way into uh, the bad guy base. Now, I would add that in Charity's retelling of these events, there was the point that Crunk very nearly died, and she had to give him a couple of healing potions to keep him alive. Crunk the unconscious, yeah. Crunk the just holding it together valiantly through uh, hundreds of flesh wounds. My, my, the, the, the player of charity is now standing at the door of my office giving me verbal abuse. <laughs> Basically, it was the party having to save Crunk again. Party never has to save Crunk. Yeah. I, I can think of at least two other times coming up later that the party has had to save Quonk. I was going to say, should we come to that later? <laughs> Rebecca, is, say, Rebecca yeah. is saying that she had to give me a healing potion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go away, horrible children. <laughs> so yeah, actually finding that back door in um, was, I will concede, very useful. Yeah, that coupled with the fact that we piled the dead bodies of the uh, the bandits on top of the trap door. Whose idea was that? That was Crunk's idea. Crunk leader. Yeah. Let's have a smelly mess of right, dead bodies right in the middle of our camp. Wonderful. Yeah. I recall you guys moving these bodies like three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. At least that many times. <laughs> it got easier as they fell apart more. <laughs> Beautiful smell. Ladies and gentlemen, my players. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we 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 all then went in through the back entrance to the cabin. <laughs> oh I you know what? I've been sitting here for the last five minutes going, Is she going to say that? Is she uh, going to say that? and you didn't disappoint me, Kathy. Thank you very much. <laughs> <sighs> okay, right. So yes. We went through the secret I entrance. Say, I didn't say back door. <laughs> so, yes. So, so we went in through the alternate entrance. <laughs> and still we get sniggers. Still, yes. Um, uh, oh, but then, you see, we came to the gibbering mouther thing. I... Why, don't, why don't you tell us, Crunk, what Crunk did when he faced the gibbering mouther? <laughs> I, I can't hear you, Kathy. Bad signal. I don't know. Skype's playing up. <laughs> Suffice to say, the rest of us killed the gibbering mouther. Not Quunk's finest hour. 
not Krunk's finest hour. But I think he more than made up for it then with what he did to the bandit chief that we then came across in the next room. Was that the one that I got like That's... 50 points of damage on? It was, it was the one whose sword came on fire halfway through the fight. I don't know. I don't remember the fight. There's been so many fights, I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one with the gold. Oh. Krunk has developed this uncanny knack of rolling critical hits when he absolutely needs to roll critical hits. And then with his great axe and then rolling really high on the dice. So he did quite a lot of damage in that fight then. Yeah. So, yes. See, I remember the bit of the cor- in the corridor where they were all they they were all standing with their crossbows but they were facing the wrong way and then we just attacked them from behind. <laughs> oh yes, Whoa. that 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 was the group that was waiting for us to come through the trapdoor and we didn't come through the trapdoor. I think nobody else got a, I th- perhaps one or two of the people got a shot off on those before yeah. Krunk had decimated the lot of them. Pretty much. <laughs> but, um, so we explored this dungeon. We did. We we went through the dungeon fairly thoroughly, and along the way, we met a very nice half elf. Uh, uh, sorry, a very nice elf who was frozen in place. Was that in that dungeon? No, uh, you met. Yeah, me that was at the bottom. Yeah, well. same. We met. We met. Um, Judas a, first. Yeah. We met Judas, who had been captured by the bandits. And, was and, to trying fa- to free and to be fair, we didn't like him from him. the start. Yeah. I don't know why. Because he was called Judas. <laughs> uh, somebody decided to go off on a frolic and fight a troll one-handed. I can't think who that was. Kunk was at the point where he was getting bored with anything longer than a two-minute rest. And looking for the next fight at that point. Yes. Yeah. So, so what I'd done is I'd taken to rolling dice to see what he would do and just let the dice decide. Unfortunately, the dice always, dice always decided that Krunk would go and do the most stupid thing imaginable. <laughs> Pretty much. So was did, it about uh, that dungeon we started talking about baby brains? It yes. was yes. about that dungeon, yes. <laughs> but yes, that's that's last to save long. him again. To be fair, that was also the dungeon where you, went, you, you lot were worrying about this gold that we'd found. We found loads of gold bricks that was all marked up and it had magic on it to protect it and stuff. And you spent three and a half hours deciding what to do with this this gold and then put it, it in front of It was a lot of gold! <laughs> whereas, whereas some of us are going, can we get on? And they're going, we could put the gold here, we could put... The... <sighs> One of the things about our party is that we're very dri- <laughs> different to treasure and loot and Hitting things. <laughs> Should all hit things. <laughs> it was a lot of gold. We found out later the value of it. It was like, oh my word. Yeah, I liked, I liked the idea of uh, giving you guys a lot of gold which would be almost unusable by you. Because A, it's far too heavy to carry. And B, you can't melt it down to see what you guys would do with it. That hurt. That hurt. One and a half million gold pieces. Tristan, Tristan was crying inside. It didn't hurt as much as the troll hitting me hurt. <laughs> I always pointed out that Angelmar wasn't for taking the gold. No, he wasn't. No, it was all Trissa. And as I'm, as we're about to discover, everything afterwards is her fault. 
Yes. Oh, I've been so looking forward to this. <laughs> so, Trissa. Yeah, all right. There may have been a point in the dungeon where Trissa got teleported to a little area on her own where a man she'd never seen before offered her a huge amount of power. More power than she could imagine, I believe, might have been the phrase used. Um, And also actually had a bit of a dig at her at the same time. It has to be said. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't a very nice man. He to wasn't be, a very to be nice fair, man. We don't. None of us actually know this because you were no. off in your. You were off in your separate room with Joel. So yes, she was offered a huge amount of power, or she was offered the potential of a huge amount of power, but she was told that there was something, or she was also threatened that the children that they were trying to find would be killed if she didn't comply with the man's wishes, which was to open a certain door, which he gave her a key for. And then once through that door and in an underground room, open the box that she found there, that she had to do it. Nobody else could do it. If her companions did it, then they would die. If she didn't do it, the children would die. And she would know that they had died and she would find out how they died and it would haunt her forever. And she would never be rid of the sound of them dying. So, like you know, nice choice to have. Um, so it did come to a point where we found this particular door and Trissa did open it and we went into the room and we found an elf frozen in place and some unreadable runes that, funnily enough, Judas could read. Hmm. Hmm. Why could Judas read No one read knows them? why. Why? Yeah. You can, you can tell them now, Chris. Uh, because I could speak a language that you lot couldn't speak. Okay. I didn't kind of think that's what it would have been. Hmm. I thought it was yeah. just because he was evil. No. <laughs> that as well. I mean, I'm but... imagining it was something like Infernal Abyssal, so yeah, he probably was evil. No, it wasn't. Neither of us. Uh, can I tell him what it was, Joel? You can. Uh, it was Halfling. Oh, oh really? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Halfling. So, uh, oh. Judas was um, living with Halflings for a period of, t- of time. And learnt the language while he was there. I suddenly have a distrust for halflings. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah. very wise. Yeah, I mean, was yeah. Judas was Judas living with it's halflings, like or was he robbing them blind? No, I wasn't robbing them blind. <sighs> no. So that, anyway, so, yes, there was there was back a back, to, back to what you did, Kathy. There was no, and I would point out at this point that Trissa decided she was not going to open the box. And well, you found out what so, the word said, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, when I found out what the word said, which I think was something along the lines of "Do not open this box. This box contains something really, really bad." Yeah, ultimate um, evil. It wasn't the, a nice the, no. message. The base. The, Judas has read the runes, which basically say, "Don't let the thing in the chest out." <laughs> <laughs> so what, you, so what, what I have in my notes. It's a bit so, more fun within that, but yeah. Basically. What did you end up doing, though? I was controlled by another being who said, made me open the box. I said we should just kill her. After and you I was were, overruled. After when you were you refused to, you heard one of the children die. Yes. And does it tortured screams still haunt your dreams? Yes. Oh dear. 
There's a reason. That, there's a that reason that didn't sound very convincing. There's a reason Trissa took the last invocation that she took. <laughs> so, um, so yes, the the box got opened and shadowy figures escaped from the box. And she unleashed ultimate evil on the world. Yeah, in some people's opinion, I unleashed. Well, what the opinion of everyone who else in our gaming group? Maybe. Well, you know, those shadowy figures have been rather busy since you let them out. <laughs> we could do a little. To poll be fair, if you want, it Kathleen. gives us something to do. <laughs> no, Valen sure thinks it might just be coincidence. Bless him, I like Valen. He's quite trusting of people. He's not the wisest spark. <laughs> Obelisk doesn't know any of this actually happened at this point, but Aldemar thought that you were being controlled because you already said that you weren't going to do it. I think I do remember at some point as well telling Nordak and and Krunk not to let me open the box, whatever I did, not to let me open the box. And I, I have a note that at one point Nordak did knock me unconscious. I think also Krunk sat on you to stop you moving. Krunk did yeah. sit on me, yes. <laughs> But yes, so um, so yes, I, I opened the box, and then the man who had given me the choice appeared, um, and we ended up having a fight with him, and he very nearly killed a number. He knocked Crunk unconscious. He knocked Fallon unconscious. Aldemar was very very badly hurt. Um, I think Nordak was quite badly hurt. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um. Zara and Judas were standing further away, so but it, I, <laughs> Trissa, Trissa, could, Trissa could see how this was going to go. So she basically started to try and plead and intercede for him to, to stop. And he summoned the image of a child um, and threatened to kill another one. And I think at that point, both Zara and Charity... Zara fired an arrow at it and Charity threw a dagger at it, thinking that it was better to kill the child quickly than it was to let the child suffer. And it did turn out to be an illusion. Yeah. But then Alma made a decision. (laughs) To drink a potion which was unidentified. How did that work out for you, James? Permadeath. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of poison damage. It was a lot of poison damage. I don't think I've ever had a chance to justify why I did that as well. No, not really. (laughs) Come on. It was a case of... We had an unidentified potion. I think, like, seeing the state of what was going on with so many party members down... Aldemar made his decision that if this is poison, it it would either be a contact poison, a poison that needs to be applied to a blade, or poison that needs to be ingested. And didn't know which one it was, if it was poison. On the other hand, it could be a potion which could be beneficial. And he didn't think that this evil guy was going to stop even if we stopped um, because he seemed to be enjoying hurting people 
So he made the decision to take the risk and drink this unidentified potion. That turned out to be a lot of poison damage. You identified it, to be fair. I did identify it, yes. I think somewhere we do have another vial of that, maybe. We do, yeah. Yeah. We do. So, Aldemar was our first character death. Suicide. Not even killed by a monster. So, yes, we, we made our way back to the village with various people from a caravan that we had rescued, including some children. Um... There were some children that were still missing. Um, but we made our way back to the village. Um, and I seem to remember then that there was there was a portion of the game where there was an awful lot of sort of crunk being very insistent of what we had to do with Aldemar and Aldemar's body. And he wouldn't let anybody go near it. He wouldn't let anybody... Yep. Um, do anything, take anything from the body. There was an argument between Crunk and Judas about the flaming sword. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yes, because at this point, Crunk's true personality was starting to come through. Whatever had happened uh, to him. Similar that you didn't search the body. <laughs> yeah, that was it. He wouldn't let... trusted Judas. Trissa was slightly sort of catatonic and in shock from everything that had happened and opening the box, so she never thought to interject that, you know, we should have a look on Aldemar and see if there was anything that was of any use. So Aldemar was put onto a pyre and sent to the gods, along with everything he owned. Um, But the sword did survive. Yeah. So Crunk, Crunk then did let Judas have the sword. Yeah. And there is now a lot of melted coins. <laughs> I have, because I have, I have because a Aldemar the being a rogue had squirreled away coins from loot. <laughs> There's also, like, three, like, I think it was about ten sheets of important documents that would be really useful. That yes, just it would have been. <laughs> sort of clues and background and stuff like that, and yeah, all burnt. Yes, in in the little party loot note, I have two hundred and eighty gold pieces melted, fifty <laughs> electra melted. Um, a jury at that point decided to stop at the village and help the villagers to um, recover. Yeah, re- yeah, recover and and heal and what have you. The mayor got subjected. The mayor got subjected to another monologue. The mayor got subjected to another monologue, which, in mentioning the fact that Trissa had... Crunk is very keen on, you know, completing any monologue with the fact that Trissa has unleashed... Ultimate, ultimate evil. Yeah. Um, so, was the that dungeon the same place we found Ralph? No, that was... Uh, no, that was later. That was later. That was where we... Oh, no, no, Ralph no, was, in, was, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you Ralph encountered there, Ralph there, yeah. Yeah, you yes. encountered Ralph. One of the fights we'd had was with a priest who had just sacrificed a child. Um, Crunk killed him. Crunk killed him, and um, he had a he had some sort of metallic being that assisted him and took some of his damage and helped protect him and what have you, which we also did defeat. But we had taken away a necklace that the priest had been wearing 
Aldemar had taken away a necklace that the priest had been wearing and Krunk picked that up mm-hmm. and held on to it. So, yes, so the, the villagers suggested that we speak to a wizard in the north. Wizzy! Who may be able to answer Who may have a better name questions. than that. <laughs> Whose name was Maracast. Maracast, yes, the Magnificent. Um, I feel the Magnificent may have been partly his idea. Yes, yeah, probably. <laughs> so we, we with um, assistance from a guard in the village called Obelisk, who then joined the party, we headed north to find the wizard in his tower. Killed a dinosaur on the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about the dinosaur. Yeah, uh, Malakast has a had a menagerie with uh, sort of magical sort of cages with rooms in the ground guarding certain areas. The creatures he was busy developing and breeding and magically ameliorating. <laughs> and when your party got there, all the guards were down, so things were roaming around. And yes, uh, the T Rex came out after you. And if I remember, displaced the beasts. Yes, there were displaced There were displaced beasts as well, yeah. Which is why half of us were up in the trees when the T-Rex appeared. But the T-Rex kill was pretty cool. That was, and I shall let you... I shall let you uh... Because the, t- the, T-Rex, the T-Rex kill, Crunk charged the T-Rex and then slid underneath it, hamstringing it with his axes, whilst Charity, who was still with us at that point, jumped from a tree and stuck her daggers in its head and, like, steered it sort of like a, um, you know, a pony or something until it was dead. Valen also leapt onto it. Oh, did he? Did you? I did indeed. Yeah, with a jump. Oh, I've forgotten that bit. Oh, see, I'm doing you down, Valen. Yeah. And also, there was part of it, Nordak used one of his abilities to... Oh, who to, cares um... about him? He's not here. I... There's a... He's... Nordak's... Nordak's ace. Um, but Nordak has got an ability to command other people to do things in his turn, which basically gives them another attack, and he used that to point charity to where in the T-Rex... T-Rex to drive her daggers into its head and things like that, so... Um... I, I'm just going to point out, uh, when I recorded with Matt, I was, we've recorded a series of um, episodes talking about big box games. Uh, we were watching the um, England versus Australia game, and it was not going well. Um, I would just like to point out, as we're recording on Sunday morning, um, England are playing India in a must-win game, and it is going quite well at the moment, as England are 112 without losing a wicket. Ooh, okay. After, after only 16 overs. Bear still on 61 and Roy on 46. So, you know, if the, if this works, then we're going to be recording every time in the play from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Not because, being suspicious or anything. No, but recording with Matt, we lost to Australia, so... Well, that's just Matt's sort of winning streak there, isn't it? It is, really. Um and we should point out, I forgot that Valen jumped on. Valen often saves Crunk from Crunk's stupidity. Yeah, Valen seems to have Crunk's back a lot of the time. Otherwise, he would struggle, I think. He would. He would. Most definitely. But together, when we're back to back, we are a butchering machine. 
to be fair, it is a sight to behold. Yeah. The uh, seven-foot-tall gnome and the uh, half-hook barbarian back-to-back. Slaughter great everything. Field of death around us. Um, yes. So we met Wizzy. What happened after we met Wizzy? Well, we didn't. We didn't meet him as such. I'm doing air quotes. Nobody can see air quotes, can they? <laughs> no. We didn't. We didn't meet him as such. As spoke to him through a tube in the ground because he'd been he'd been captured and imprisoned yeah. from his own tower, and he gave us directions to go and retrieve something that would help to free him. Don't we forget ha- the um, guy that appeared with this golemy type thing. Oh it- yes. It was the Dow with his Earth element we summoned as well. Yes. Yeah. This Dow would be tasked task to uh, take Maracast hostage for ransom. Which, and, which the ransom happened to be, if I remember rightly, a large amount of gold bars. Which the bandits had uh, <laughs> unfortunately taken. Or it was on its way to be delivered, yeah. Uh, I remember annoying the Dow a fair amount by speaking to it in Primordial. Yes. <laughs> I remember killing it. Uh, pretty sure no one actually killed it. No, it I don't think we actually killed the Dow. Did we, not, did, did, we just kill his, did we just kill the Golem? Well, yeah, we killed the, the Earth Elemental. Yeah. yeah, he killed that one. Yeah, Krunk's memory is not always the best. Yeah, I was going to say, Krunk, Krunk doesn't remember the bit where Trissa and Nordak were trying to reason with the Dow and he tried to attack it and Obelisk had to pull him back and, <laughs> and literally rugby tackled him <laughs> in the middle like, of his chest. And how well did talking it. to it go for you? <laughs> Look, I, think if you didn't, I think if you didn't charge it, it may have gone better. Well, we got out there with our lives and we rescued Maracast, so it all went well. That's true, yeah. but we had to go to the scary place first. We did have to go to the scary place. We had to step through a, a mirror portal. Mm-hmm. So where was it, Joel? Where, what was the scary place? First home. It was the island that was taken by back by the shadow and has been under quarantine for the last 50 or 60 years. Uh, as it's, you know, it's one step away from the home ones at the moment, so it's an incredibly dangerous place now. And it's filled with all manner of nasty uh, critters. And what made that, that session the worst is... Not, Joel had told us that we the portal would only be there for a certain amount of time. Yep. And... Um, in doing our adventures and running away from things and then fighting things, we sort of lost track of time slightly. <laughs> and the portal. <laughs> there yeah. was a slight incident with a lever, as I recall. I... Oh, the, the lever. Oh, the lever. There was no yeah. lever. The, the lever is a lie. There is mm, no I lever. I think Krunk should explain uh, what happened with this lever. There were two levers. Crunk pulled a lever. Something happened, and then all these murderous insect things came. But then Crunk, <laughs> realising that he'd made a mistake, sat very bravely stood in the doorway to block the doorway with his bulky body to let his friends escape. <laughs> Did Crunk fall unconscious at that point? I, I don't know. Was that, that's about... the second time Crunk's tried to rescue the party by putting his body on the line. And the first time was when we were trying to get into this underground area that the lever was in. <laughs> if yeah. I remember, we did we... actually at that point tie a rope around Kronk. Yeah, he was on baby reins at part of this, yeah. Yeah, and Obelisk 
pulled him through a trapdoor into a cellar so he didn't get murdered by a shadow beast. People need to listen to this. No. (laughs) Can I point out that earlier on in the whole of this, after pulling him through the trapdoor, there was a bit where we'd found a room with some planks that obviously went to the outside again. And Crunk and Valen had decided to try and break the planks and brought them down on top of Crunk, which knocked him unconscious. Just for the bad guys to then come down. <laughs> so I think at about this point, when Crunk decided to block the door with his body and save the rest of us, I think it was about the third time in that session that Trissa had brought him back from being unconscious. It wasn't <laughs> and at this point. Hour this point she was seriously running low on healing spells and was just like if he goes unconscious again we might be in trouble yeah but you managed to find the item you needed a wand we did and, and a number of other fantastic magic oh that room was a treasure trove yeah, well it was it was a supply cache that Maricast had been leaving there for uh one of his many for when they want to try and retake um first home um so that's part of their plans part of his plans anyway but when you got there, you then had to get back to the portal in time, and you were seriously well on time. Yeah, we lost track of time. Uh, don't know how. I think something to do with the entire route, you know, the entire place being like black and dark and shadowy and having no concept of where we were going. Yeah, where, where yeah, we were going. instructions on how to get there didn't involve much actual instruction. No, but apart, go apart there. from the fact that. We remembered afterwards that he'd said that the ring that Zara had got would glow when we were heading in the right direction, and we completely missed any of that until it started to glow as we got towards the right direction, which happened to be the last direction we took. Yep, pretty much. Would you have killed us, Joel? Yes. (sighs) So evil. No, if you, if you, that's that's how that goes. If you'd been stuck on first home, if you'd missed the portal, uh, the campaign would go in a different direction um, because you'd, you'd be on first home and um, you'd have to, you know, you'd be, that's like surviving the zombie apocalypse. Um, you'd have to try and work out some way of staying alive and somehow to get off the island. And you'd find other things there which would lead the party in different directions from the one you're currently on. I kind of have everything prepped. So, you know, if you have, wherever you guys end up, I know the direction you you could go from there. Yeah, I think um, I actually. I mean, I, I was. I said this in a, my blog article when I wrote about this. Um, that one of the things that I'm really enjoying about this is the fact that you're not prescribing to us what's going to happen. Nope. It's very much a reactive gaming style, and we're driving the story rather than well, I mean, it being dictated to us. Well, I mean, yeah, you said this was my campaign, but it's it's not really it's our campaign. Um, and you guys are responsible for quite a lot of the creative stuff that I'm keeping coming up with because of the things you do force me to then think in different ways for, for future plans and, and change some of the things that would go on because of what you guys have done. See, it's a good thing I opened the box. Uh... In, in some ways, yeah. I'm, we could take, a, we could take a straw poll, Kathy, if you wanted. Oh dear! <laughs> It'll be fine. Of course it will. Crunk's here to save day. 
We made it through that portal back into the tower, I think, with barely to spare. Uh, it, it, it practically took the heel off Crunk's shoes at the end, I think. Yeah. His, rag, his ragged boots that he'd found to replace the ones he'd lost. Yeah, and Crunk, Crunk, Crunk walked through a pool of acid. Yeah. Crunk stepped in the grey ooze. <laughs> yeah. Repeatedly, I think. Yes. Kind of killed it by jumping up and down on it. It wasn't really going well. So yes, yeah, so we we made it back into the tower, and I think then there was there was quite a lot of conversation with Maricast, um, at which we sent Crunk outside to play with Zara's Panther because he was getting a little bit antsy. antsy. <laughs> yeah, that's Crunk, not the Panther. So 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 imagine <laughs> a scene, if you will, with a number of party members sitting around discussing with a, a wizard who is tired and dusty. Having been imprisoned in the ground, we're all sitting having a serious conversation with about what happened. And round the tower is running a panther and a half-folk barbarian happily playing with each other. Panthers. <laughs> the panther's called Meow, by the way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yes. But, uh, if you guys Marikas... watch The Good Place, it's all, it's all, it's, uh, you say, if, it's, if you ever watch The Good Place, it's like keeping Jason Mendoza busy. When all the adults talk. <laughs> I know what that means, Joe. Cool. Uh, I'm a bit young for that one. It's on now on Netflix. I don't watch Netflix. <sighs> Youths. You see what we have to put up with? <sighs> I'm surprised Andy hasn't watched it if it's on Netflix. Really uh, yeah, I only got into the first couple. I've only watched. I have probably watched, watched it and then fallen asleep to it. <laughs> <laughs> As Andy's no son throws him under the bus. <laughs> right, so we got we got back. I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping us moving along because we've done an hour already. <laughs> I'm keeping. Maricast very kindly offered us all a boon. Yeah. For for our service and everybody sort of decided what they we had a bit of time at the end of that session then time before the next session to think about what it was that our particular characters would like or be after or would want. Yeah. Bonus feet, basically, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. Or item or... I got a bow. I got a... No, I'm not going to say what I got because it only snigger. (laughs) Okay. You can't stop there. Come on, Cathy, what did you get? Fess up. I got a rod. (laughs) (laughs) You should see what happens every single time we find a wand, dear listeners. (laughs) We're all very mature and adult. A bunch of teenagers. Um, Poor Emily. She gives as good as she gets. He does. <laughs> and Crunk wrote a letter. Yes. Um, because Crunk, from a gaming point of view, playing Crunk as I was playing him was becoming a boring um, because he was always doing the silly thing because that's what he was. And B, there wasn't a massive amount of direction that the character could go. If I kept on piling on barbarian levels, then he would just. You know, he would be exactly the same. You know, this crazy lunatic that just ran around hitting everything, going more yeah. and more frenzied. So, um, 
he, I decided that I would spend my boon on getting some intelligence back. Um, and because it was a feat, it, Joel was treating it like um, a level-up uh, yeah. bonus. So I got two points of intelligence back. And this gave me a load of background on... Enabled me to do a load of background on Crunk. And so bet- talking with Joel, we decided that Crunk had had this brain injury caused by his background. And so... I was able to take the character in a different direction. And that's just an example of the, this whole, you know, what we were just talking about, this communication uh, between the DM and the player. So now Krunk is changing as a character, and he's not just this mindless, barbarian, frenzied killing machine, but actually now all his levels are going into fighter, and his backstory is starting to come out as his memory comes back. So basically what I'm doing is I'm using the level-up process as Krunk, more of Krunk's memories return and more of his, a real, his real personality rather than what he had degenerated into comes into play. Yeah. You're saying that it is sort of like starting to see character bits coming through because that, that letter that Krunk wrote, you shared with us. And what I found interesting was the fact that for all everybody sort of like, you know, has been and, and you as people would have heard, Trissa released Ultimate Evil on the world and she opened the box and all the rest of it. Crunk in the letter was very much, it was my fault it happened because I couldn't stop her. Yep. Uh, I knew he killed the party when I pulled the lever. Yeah, and that and know, that's so the he's... thing. It, 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 the whole, all the sessions and the things that happen help you with the, the role playing because otherwise you do end up just playing this one-dimensional... Um, character yeah. and i think i think it's happening with all of our characters as well because the, we'll get into it but there's this growing friendship between valon and crunk where they've got each other's back and it's they're do, they're doing things together it, it is turning <laughs> it is like a bromance because we you know we're, we're doing things together and we're starting to have out of session conversations but still in character about doing you know directions that we're going to go and things and i think it's a sign that the, the group as our D and D group as a whole is sort of blending together. It well, is sort of like it, it's 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 interesting to see how that is sort of going and forming and and what have you. Yeah, everyone still hates Judas, but that's probably not going to change. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it may change. Yeah, well, they don't hate They can't hate him anymore. Well, no, no but we can continue anymore. hating what he was. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're getting towards that now. I'll say, spoilers, yes. spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, so having saved Maracast, um, he told us about some other ruins because, again, he was subjected to a crunk monologue about everything that had happened and what have you. Um, and he told us about some ruins that were elsewhere on the island that may also contain some information there was that had some more of these strange runes he was interested to know that there was somebody in the party that could read them because he, uh, he couldn't yeah and he had a separate conversation with judas after after trissa dumped judas in it as being the one who'd been able to read them yeah judas never um, told him how though no Judas was under oath and actually stuck to his oath. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you feel bad yet, Krunk? No. Okay. <laughs> um, 
so so he asked us to go and look at these ruins um to find out what these runes said um so we headed off in that direction charity at that point stayed behind at the pub yeah she stayed but we we found our way along the way we we stopped at an inn for the night the rusty gorgon yep um and during the evening there was an attack by gnolls on the inn super gnolls super gnolls strange funny eyes silvery bits red veins really really difficult to kill got better um, we did get better at it so that gave us an opportunity to do lots of those sort of almost like three musketeer swashbuckling things although nobody did use the chandelier hanging from the ceiling Still but there was a lot of there was lots of clambering over tables and kicking tables aside and things like that while we fought these knolls in the inn. Um, there was very nearly a moment where we were hit with friendly fire when the very elderly barkeeper finally found and loaded the cross bolt he kept behind the bar. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> you, thank God you disarmed him before we actually used it. Um, and yes, and we were told that these... There were these null attacks were more prevalent and there'd been more of them around. So we sort of, again, it's one of these where we started off heading in one direction and sort of then veered in another to go and do something else. Mm, at this point, um, you had an encounter from uh, someone in your past as uh, a dragging one foot that was on backwards. Ralph showed up. Yes. He'd been tracking you in all your various travels. This shield guardian thing yeah. that we'd found in the, the first dungeon appeared. Finally, finally caught up with you. Yeah, and we were uh, foot on backwards and all the likes. And sparking and, yeah, not, yeah. not looking too good. Nordak managed to get out his portable forge and do a few, a few repairs to him to keep him going immediately. Uh, and he came along with us at that point, I believe. He yep. did. And from gameplay point of view, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> oh, was Krunk a happy bunny? Yeah, I mean, if you don't know D&D, so Krunk has an ability that um, when he is raging, he halves all the damage, the typical damage you get, so piercing and slashing. So basically, if people are hitting him with swords and stuff, it's getting halved. But then with the shield guarding and around... It absorbs half of that damage as well. So Krunk was getting hit for 20 points of damage and only actually taking five. Yeah. <laughs> Something of a tank at that point. Yes. Krunk, yes. the death dealer. I think it was that point where I ran into like nine gnolls or something like that and came out after killing all of them and only taking something like 20 points of damage. Like, he just didn't take hardly any damage because of Ralph. Yeah, Ralph wasn't looking so good, though. No. <laughs> so, yes, we, we found... Um, that's what I'm trying to think, then, what sort of order, because we, we went looking for the gnolls. Yeah, you did. But we found... Uh, we found a wizard's... A ruined wizard's cottage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also found a druid... In some standing stones. Yeah, on hilltop. Very antisocial. Yes. I thought druids are supposed to be nice people. <laughs> um, we got zapped by lightning. Yes, because, well, no, no, to be fair, 
half of you got zapped by lightning because half of you decided to rest inside the stone circle. The other half yeah. of us decided to rest outside the stone circle. Guess which half got zapped with lightning? The path that desecrated the circle? <laughs> um, and we came across uh, a sort of a valley area where there was a statue. Uh, yeah, sort of a canyon area, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a lake and a statue of a mm. a man in what Zara said looked to be elvish armour, but it was old. And he had something over one eye. Well, no, one eye was blank. That was it. One eye was blank and the other one was carved. That's right, yeah. Um, and there were some sturges that flew out from behind the statue. <laughs> and that is the reason now why Trissa's officially word, whenever she casts... Uh, I think it was Word of Radiance I used, is, ah! <laughs> you did manage to fry them, though. I did fry them. I was worried they were going to get in my hair. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, we, so we entered our second underground sort of cavern area um, to explore. And, yes, it immediately came upon more knolls. Yeah. Ah, now this is this this is the, this is the fun part you see where this would be interesting to find out how much because this is the session then when I was talking about it afterwards everybody I was like on the message texting people and saying don't forget last session there was this and this and this and this happened and all the rest of it and all I got back from people was I don't remember that. <laughs> was this uh, we, was this when that, we did the this double was the session? Long session? Yes. Yeah. So normally we should we should explain because. It, I'm sure it will come. Normally, um, I make Emily get out of bed at seven o'clock on a well, get out the house at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning, um, and we drive over to um, Annie and Kathy's house, uh, and we get started around ten thirty, eleven o'clock after we've done some Pokemon generally, um, and then we play until six six thirty, and then we come home. Um, Joel and Chris and John are much, uh, much closer. But we decided that we wanted to have a longer session, so everyone came to my house and we played for a whole weekend. We played for a whole weekend, apart from the bit where we did some Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think got a, I think we got about 14 hours of D&D in that time. And three hours of Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> it was a community yeah. day and we all went into Norwich and played Pokemon all day. community we were like sociable and stuff. That was nice, actually, because because uh, Mrs. Mrs. Marshall and and Junior Marshalls all came yeah. as well. Yeah, didn't no, they? We all, so we that's nice. Excellent. And then we all went out for a a pizza afterwards. Yeah. But yes, that was that, that was. We had a weekend, and so we we managed to get through quite a bit in that weekend. But it was uh, there was a. We found a barracks. With we ended up splitting the party. Never split the party. That really fried my notes. That did. Yeah. Basically, half the party ran off into a world of traps. Um, And they were chasing something. In fairness, we split the party into three. Because I think it was Valen and Obelisk and Zara went one way and ran into traps, and Crunk. And Ralph and Judas went a different way and found the Knoll Barracks and fought the Knolls. 
and Nordak and Trissa stopped in the middle entrance hall and just listened for which was sounding as though it was in the most trouble before we that, decided which way we were going to head. And, and that was pretty much both. <laughs> so, yes. It was... Uh, didn't we kill some ogres? There were some ogres, yeah, at the end of that session, yeah. Yeah. Um, you basically explored this complex, which um, seemed to have been here for a long, long time, but then been taken over maybe a hundred years ago uh, by something else, <laughs> by this, this human in the statue, and then is now occupied by gnolls. So it's like served as a, as a lair for multiple creatures over the years. Um, you managed to clear most of it all out, though, and you found some notes in a library area. We did. We killed a a, a gnoll shaman. Yeah. Who had a, a beast with it, a Greek. Mm-hmm. That was it. And found a number of, of notes on an item. And also notes about the potential person whose sort of lair or fortress this was, Afanasi. Yep. And he'd been raising, it looks like he was, whoever he was from 100 years ago, he was back. And he'd been trying to get an army of humanoids together. And you'd seen signs of the camp as well, hadn't you? Oh, yes, because we had at one point when we were exploring out in the wilderness, we'd found um, what looked to be a huge camp with what we reckoned was about 50 people in it. Mm-hmm. And I shall let people guess what Crunk wanted to do. But we talked him out of it and we didn't go and invade the camp. Crunk's smarter now, so sometimes listens. Occasionally. We'd have, yep. got, we'd have got that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we did. We found some notes and we found um, keys and chests. Um, all sorts of interesting things, which was the start of Trissa's numerous list of things we need to identify at some point in the future. <laughs> yes, as you were leaving this complex, thinking you'd explored everything, Crunk randomly decides to check for secret doors in a random corridor. <laughs> 20! <laughs> Natural 20 and finds the secret door to the old ancient armour. 20! The I was like, oh my god, we've actually found it. <laughs> 20! Yes. Yes, that, that was quite class. But in, yeah, we'd found as well, we'd found who we thought was the person whose fortress this was because at one point we went, well, we found a room with a lot of old, what looked to be old banners and old weapons, mm-hmm. and in the middle was a very familiar-looking box, which Trissa, Trissa tried to suggest Crunk wasn't worth investigating, so he decided instead to investigate the pedestal it stood on. Yeah. Which triggered... Which triggered the box! Well, attacked by shadow demons, I think it was. Yes, it was, yes. And black tentacles coming out the pedestal. I think what it was was Trissa said the box wasn't important, so Crunk knocked the box off the pedestal in order to investigate the pedestal. No, I don't yeah. think she. I know. I don't think that she said it wasn't important. I think she used suggestion to say it wasn't important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like using your spells on your own party members to make them think that you're loyal and trustworthy and not evil at all. And. It doesn't work out well for you because karma comes back and bites you. 
No, Crunk, the box isn't important. Okay, Crunk, throw it in bin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, pretty much. Um, But the box seemed to contain this this thing called an odium heart, which was what we'd found the notes on. And the notes had said that Afanasi could not be killed while the heart existed. So the heart got smashed into pieces in case we came across Afanasi in the future. Hey, guess what? Um, then you did. <laughs> so yes, but we, on the way out, Crunk found a secret door and in it was another um, room with these unreadable runes. I read them. Yes. What are we going to do now with unreadable runes? Not read them. Not read them. He didn't tell us what they said anyway. Um, no, I was just looking. I, I wrote think... it down, what it um, was, and then you gave it to... Did you give it to me? Uh, yeah, I gave it. You took it off my body and then. Mm. Oh, spoilers! Maracast. <laughs> I haven't given it to Maracast. I don't think I've given it to no, Maracast. We've, we've not met him. Oh, no, we've not met him again, have we? No. I've got it, yes. Yeah. I've got it. I found it. I have got it. Um, so, yeah, but also, there was also, with inside the secret door, was another secret compartment in a wall which we found as well, and pulled all sorts of manner of goodies out of. Mm-hmm. So you've now found out about an organisation that used to exist called the Fox Guard. Um, because this is their particular weapons, armour, and things like that that you found here. Although we know nothing about the Fox Guard you know yet. Nothing about the Fox Guard, yeah. <clears throat> and yes, and then upon leaving this entire complex... Um, there were a number of archers on the other side of the lake. There were a number of knolls that appeared that were in the canyon. And also this strange figure came up from the lake and levitated up in the air and started attacking. Everybody started attacking. So I think the fighters went off to deal with the knolls. And I should mention, actually, there's been a number of times when when this has been very clutch. Zara has been very, very clutch in a number of things that we've done. Well, I was about I was about to throw her under the bus, actually, as she's not as she's not here. Because, well, I was going to mention the fact that she, because Emily's never played Dungeons and Dragons before, um, and we've sort of just thrown her in at the deep end. So we're all playing on D and D Beyond. So um, our character sheets are all digital. Um, but she's never played before. She doesn't really know how, you know, modifiers and all of this sort of stuff works. So she has a plus five bow. No, it's a plus two. Plus two bow. Um, she's got plus five from the decks, I think. Uh, okay. So she didn't know to add things. So she kept on missing. So the first couple of sessions, she would miss all the time. Um. And then it was pointed out to her that she should be adding all these um, things to her dice rolls. And she went, what, really? And I, we said, yes. And so now she can hit everything. <laughs> but she also has um, a force bow. The, the, yes. A certain number of times per day when she uses her bow, she can do force damage with it. Yeah, and a 20-foot blast, yeah. Yeah, so these archers on the other side of the lake just didn't really last legs. very long because she fired at them and they all just took damage and fell over. I, I think there was also a hyena, or a giant hyena attacking them as well. Yep, yes, was. that was from, from your bag, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and then she shot Abenazi. Oh, what? 
Because he was flying <laughs> up in the air at this point. He was point. flying up. So at that point, Trissa was Trissa was attacking him with her spells. Um, and Zara was firing at him with her bow. Uh, and yes, she managed to get the the sort of the, the, the fantastic shot that brought him tumbling to the earth. Well, in the ongoing fight with the Knolls, Judas went down. Judas did go down, yes. And, was, and yes. took more damage for the Knolls kept going after him and uh, yes. both saves were failed. Yeah, Judas, uh, Judas but, sadly died. The fight from tri- Valen after... slaughtering Knolls, left, right and centre. And Malthus missing out well, yeah. as well, yeah. Wimpy Judas. Oh, I've been stabbed by a little spiky thing. <laughs> Trissa, Trissa had sworn. Did best to try and protect Judas' body from not being attacked. Yeah. Trissa had sworn after Aldemar's death that she was not going to be in a position where she would lose a, a, a friend like this again. So she'd, she'd tooled herself up with a diamond worth 300 gold pieces so that she could cast... Where did we get that 300 gold pieces from? Maracast. Um, so that she could be in a position to call somebody back. Of the, but but uh, she tried it with Judas and his spirit did not want to return to his body. Yeah, he was uh, fed up. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, all the abuse and hatred against his name. So we, you're the one who called him Judas. We should point out that we really like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but Judas's actions were shifty. But Judas yeah, was Judas the most was obnoxious shifty. character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, well, we're bound to get someone said, "Well, you were just picking on poor Chris." No, we're not picking on Chris. No, uh, he named Judas, his character Judas. Yeah, Judas tried to be all nice and. But his uh, actions just didn't reflect that, and <laughs> his name was, you know, he lived up to his name, in a way. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, he moved on, uh, died, and then now I have a new character that they met recently. Yes. Um, also, at this point, also, at this point, um, we freed Ralph. Yes. Yes. Um, uh Decided that Crunk had been a slave at some point in his past, and so therefore didn't like slavers. And he saw that Ralph, because Ralph did whatever Crunk told him to do, because he was wearing the necklace, that um, this made Crunk a slaver, because Ralph had no free will. So Crunk put the control necklace on Ralph. And and, kind of rebooted him, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yes, this is completely from... Um, one of the Terry Pratchett books with the golems. I can't remember what the name of that particular one is. It's Feet, of Feet of Clay. Feet of Clay. Thank you. Um, it's completely taken from that. <laughs> and so yeah. Ralph is now an independent entity. Seems to like birds. Crunk hopes that Ralph is still his friend, though. Ralph has stuck around and helped us still. That is true. So far. So far, yes. So, uh, so yes, we ended up having our second um, funeral pyre for a fallen comrade. After taking all yes. of any important jobs <laughs> off his body yes. this time, <laughs> That's true. we've learnt our lesson. 
but Krunk did still insist that all of Judas's weapons and items, he let us take papers, but he still insisted that weapons and items and things were all put with him and yes. and it was only then what survived in the morning that was taken away. Yes. The flamey sword survived. The flamey sword that. survived. So, so who but, now has the flamey sword? That flamey sword's got to be cursed. <laughs> I, I think I have it now. Yeah, she always has it now, yeah. So yeah. James had it to begin with on Aldemar, and then after Aldemar's death, Judas took it, and now James has got it back on his new character. <laughs> Aldemar yeah. never actually used it because he wasn't proficient in scimitars. No. <laughs> um, so then what? So, yeah, Judas died. We went... We've gone to a village now, haven't we? Well, yeah, you yeah. finished off the rest of the Knoll peasants and spent a few hours arguing over the cauldron. Yeah. Yes, we uh, found uh, another... Ob- Obelisk, I think, also took Afanasi's plate mail armour. You did, yes. yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we, we went and found another cavern full of gnolls, um, these strange gnolls with the funny eyes, and in there we found a, a, a cauldron full of a liquid, which was the same as the eyes. And there was a very long discussion about how we should, what should we do, because we can't empty the cauldron, should we destroy the cavern, should we just pull it, and all sorts of long discussions. Yeah. Um, which ended up again with us just collapsing the entrance to this cavern area. See, so that nobody thinking else about that afterwards, it was a cauldron that was magical, not liquid, so we should have just chipped the liquid out. It was a big cauldron, it was like a foot across. Yeah, but we have four fighters in the party. We did suggest we did suggest it at one point. Yeah, because that was because that was Crunk's sensible suggestion. Someone was going on about it leaching into the water table, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Environmental concerns are paramount, even in D and D. So yes, yeah, so we headed to the village of Abney with the Knoll baby. With a knoll. Oh, yes. The knoll baby. Oh, God, I've forgotten about the knoll baby. Yes, because we'd slaughtered Crunk, everything Daddy. <laughs> Crunk insisted that we bring the knoll baby along, and we said that's fine, but he had to look after it. You wanted to kill the knoll baby. Because you've unleashed no. ultimate evil on the world. They wanted, they wanted to leave it behind. <laughs> Bloody thing screams all night. It does. Grip breaking up long rests. Yes. <laughs> Crunk not mind. So yeah, Crunk so we, seems we to know to what the... to do with null babies. Yeah, we went to this village. Um, and we were greeted with them saying, "Is anybody a healer? Is anybody a healer?" And funnily enough, some of us are healers. But it, it turns out that this village has been struck by a strange illness. Um, and all the priests, shadows. <laughs> priests have disappeared. What shadows um, like that came out of the box? Like th- that sort of yeah, thing. Similar, yeah, similar, <laughs> yeah. <That was laughs> and opened by we all know who. <laughs> As I was saying. <laughs> she who shall be named. She who shall be She who shall be named and shamed repeatedly in every single session. Um and but yes, also on the approach to this village, we were attacked by two strange creatures. Oh yes! Yeah. As we were about to go into the village on the outskirts. Yeah, the bullets. Which again, we didn't kill. They they fled from yep. the might of oh, who would that be? Valen. <laughs> I'm glad you. 
finally see that. <laughs> Crunk carved a Z in one of them. Crunk yes. Did, yes, Crunk did um, carve a Z in one of them. Because it's his name. But he doesn't know what his name is. Well, that point well he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he does now. He didn't then. Yes. All the memories coming back. So yeah, you, you found out that the villagers are being kind of contained inside their village or town, really, by these bullets. And there's you've managed to kill a couple, but you know there's other ones circling. Yeah. And yeah. there's there's bodies being disappearing and people being disappearing as well from inside. The priests has all disappeared overnight before the illness yeah. seemed to appear. Um, and then. Those that have been taken ill by the illness have all been corralled into a warehouse by the docks. Yeah, they um they seem to be allergic to white. <clears throat> and An illness which so is now sort of afflicting several party members. Well, I was going to yes. say we, yeah. we we basically we've done some stuff in the village. We killed a few things. We went back out and killed some of these land sharks. Um, Valen saw glowing red eye bit. And some of us now um, get, like, Bernie when we're in the lights. Well, Fallon was the first one to succumb to it. So we went down to the warehouse, and while we were at the warehouse, where all the other real people were, we saw the red eyes again. And, and then, then there was this, a big monster. This huge, great, big, terrifying... arm thing. Creature. Uh, yes. yeah. uh, the the first repercussion of you opening that box... Crunk started to give yeah. it a slap, though. Yeah, I'd like to point out at this point they have met my new character. That's right. Yeah. Um, the, and the, he ran the, away. The, and there's huge <laughs> air quotes here. Paper salesman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yes. just a just a quick cricket report. Johnny Bairstow has scored a hundred, and um, we're 187 for one after 26.3 overs. That's looking quite good. If they can keep this going, it's going to be a lot big chase for India. Yeah. But I'm getting too excited, which means it's all going to fall apart and we're going to be a disaster. <laughs> but yeah, they met the uh, merchant Garmir, who uh, showed them around a little bit. And sold then... some painter, paper. Yeah, sold some paper and ink, some parchment. Drop the knob baby off in an orphanage. And then went and fought the identical monster. Well, tried. Attempted to. Yeah. Yeah. Garmin didn't fight the monster. He ran away. Yeah, Garmin saw it and uh, decided to run away. He came back just after the monster disappeared with city guards. Yeah, I went to get some help. You say disappeared more phased through the floor. Yeah, the monster or Garmin? Yeah, the monster. The monster, not Garmin. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that monster didn't seem too badly hurt by anything you guys were doing, did it? No. I I think it was scared. Crunk gave it a good pasting. It also seems to be able to use people in the area affected by the illness as sort of... Batteries. Batteries, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Quick recharge, time to go again. Yes. Um... And Trissa had noticed that the the people who were ill all seemed to have a lump on their forehead. Oh, so God, she, yes. <laughs> she she decided rather than try it on the living, 
these ones that had been sort of had all the the life sucked out of them by this creature after it disappeared she went and had a look and cut into the lump on the forehead and a red eye appeared and they reanimated and we had to kill them all over again to be fair we didn't kill them in the first place well it, the tentacly it, thing killed them in the first place <laughs> we just killed them the second time when they reanimated yes yeah which could explain where all the bodies went yeah very probably and that, that sort of brings us up to date, really, doesn't it? You guys were... Yeah. Well, we had a row. Yeah. We, we did have first, a row. We had our first proper party character, row. Character row. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, no, should we say... Character row. Crunk had a row. The rest of the party was sort of either neutral or in one agreement. Crunk wanted to do his own thing again. Crunk, Crunk felt that we should be going after the monster that it had run away and because we discovered its lair in a well kind of we think we've discovered its lair in a well details we don't we don't know exactly where it went so crunk wanted to go and like carry on punching the monster and everyone else was going oh i'm so tired i need a rest some of us are out of spells so Crunk had a hissy fit and went to his room and is sulking. Yes. Yes. Now, being Crunk, by the morning time, i.e. next session, he'll have stopped sulking. Or, being Crunk, the rest of us will get up in the morning and find his room empty because he'll have decided to go and have a look down the well himself on his own. There is always that possibility. <laughs> Although Bowen is taking steps in that regard. Bowen has had a that. conversation with him, but <laughs> um, but we have all leveled up again. Yay! Yes. So, yes. so all yeah. of our all, all of eight. our adventures have taken us to level eight, mm-hmm. and it's taken you just about a year to get there. Yeah. So we've been, a year we've been playing. Yeah. Um, so... And it's it's been pretty consistent, sort of once a month. Yeah. Um, so there was the one session where we had the weekend at yours, but other than that, it's just really been sort of one day a month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we get six hours of gameplay in a day, and then we... Uh... And then we spend a good sort of, I don't know, a couple of days afterwards messaging each other or texting each other going, what about this? What about that? I write up all the... I've got my notes, and I write all the questions that I need to think about and remember for the next session in it. Yeah. And then... After about a week, we go, is it time for the next D&D session? Yes. <laughs> and then about three or four days before the next one, we all start messaging and going, it's this weekend! It's this weekend! <laughs> and that's the, point where I, that's the point where I start losing sleep at night because I start to get really stressed about whether or not we're going to die. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, surely, the gloves are very much off with that. It's, yes. you know, as, your adventures are in your hands, and your, your character's lives are too. I have three um, backup characters. <laughs> I, I, I think two, I have three as well. <laughs> I have two backup characters, um, one I'm, of which will be a lot more fun to play than the other one. <laughs> I'm really slacking, because I haven't got any backup characters as of yet, which is probably the kiss of death. This is one of my backup characters, so... I originally had four backup characters, I now have three. <laughs> so that sort of brings us up to date with where we are in the campaign. And, yeah. and again, this sort of thing, you, you saying, Mark, about things growing and what have you, what I found interesting last session was we were saying, 
Crunk's memories have been coming back and what have you. And he has been remembering more and more stuff. And we said, you know, there was one of the billets he carved the letter Z in it. And we sort of said, well, why did you do that? And he was like, well, I don't know. But he, And then he remembered what his name was. And what I found interesting, and it might just be nothing and I'm reading too much into it, but the person that Crunk decided to tell his real name to was Trissa. After all the times that there's sort of all this, oh, you've released Ultimate Evil and what have you and all the rest of it, I just found it interesting that of all the people he could have told his name to, he chose Trissa. Mm. No, it... It's the thing that I find most the most the most interesting about playing because it's the thing that's outside the mechanic. You know, it's it's outside the mechanics of the the game system is the is the character development and mm-hmm. and as Crunk's memories come back and as he remembers his name and he remembers that Crunk isn't actually his name but is actually a title. So he is Crunk something. Um that you can expand it and now he's um he's hit level eight he's he's got more of his things back so he's now um because he's putting all his levels into fighter now from a game mechanic point of view he got um is it specialization is that what it's called this uh your your class archetype class archetype so he chose samurai because the honor thing is very much a part that will play into his character going forward, which is, and that's my worry is that I have all of this stuff worked out for him. And I, I have his next three or four levels plotted out. Yeah. And if he dies, I never get to use any of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Those things. I mean, I've got stuff planned out for, for all the characters. Um, he Trissa's finding out a bit more about her warlock patron. Uh, last time, and she knows some about something about the direction that could go. Um, she didn't Krunk seem very has... happy about it. Sorry, you didn't seem very happy about it. <laughs> That's the only problem with warlocks, isn't it? Patrons are just such dodgy characters. Well, the, th- the other thing to explain is that Trissa Triss- is a reluctant warlock. Trissa did not choose the warlock life. The warlock life chose Trissa. Pretty much. <laughs> so. You know, this is not this is not a decision that she has made and been fully on board with. This is something she woke up one day and found had been put on her. And it messed up quite a lot of her immediate plans. <laughs> Pretty much all of them. You know, so yeah. Um had a vision of his home in flames. Which will probably play into something soon. Mm. Um, you've been finding out about a little bit more about the human role family. We need to find signs that sort of there may be a survivor somewhere. Have we? Yeah, you found the flag in the inn. Yeah, yeah there's a carpet. Of, yeah, we've we found sort of old, oh, yeah, old okay. bits and bits and pieces from yeah, and the the Exodus over. Um. And things like that. Yes, yeah, so there's pictures of beasts that we don't recognise. Yeah. Well, skeletons of beasts that we don't recognise. Yes, recognize. a giant skeleton. Um, yeah, the, um, there's various things going on. There's different threads you could pull as well. I mean, there's, you know, who summoned that Dow to deal with Maracast? No, that wasn't me. Yeah, there's all, oh, yeah, there's all that stuff that's currently unexplored. 
there's finding this guy who made you open the box and what's his deal. Yeah, he's got, he's got trouble coming to me. And where's that missing child? There's, um, you know, the plans for the attack on first home. Obviously, that's something else you could get into if you ever get to true home. And um, they're dealing with the ultimate evil you released. <laughs> so how's it been for you, Joel? Well, it's my first time DMing in a long, long, long time. Uh, and certainly the longest I've ever DM'd at one spell. I'm loving it, to be honest. Um, I've really enjoyed creating a world and uh, sort of fleshing it all out. Uh, but it's a case of how much do I create and how much do I let, you know, just hang there uh, and let you guys help create, as it were. And there's been a fair amount of that, to be honest. Um, you'd be amazed at how much has, if I went and do it, threw it with you, how much has changed and altered based on your characters. But the world has moulded itself around you as much as I've moulded it in the first place. Ah, so Crunk is God. <laughs> well, not quite, no. Crunk wishes. Dwayne's God. <laughs> no, some of you have been asking some questions in various chats as well, which have come very close to some truths as well. Um, but fortunately, James forgot that, so it's fine. Oh. <laughs> you know? What? What have I forgotten, oh, James? This, this is the other thing. It's it's keeping our knowledge separate from the players' knowledge. And I found this yeah. last session because these these creatures appeared outside the village, and I, as Kathy, had a sudden thought about them, which Trissa, as a character, forgot, didn't know. Yeah, couldn't you know? Hadn't remembered. Um, so I actually sent. I, I wrote a note in the session and just passed it to Joel and said, "Is this the these?" And he was like, he came back and he said, "Yes," but I couldn't say anything because Trissa didn't remember. I think I had a very similar thought to you in that session as well. Mm. I think it might have been the same thought. Yeah. Yeah, so you, keep, you keep guys. You guys been is... sorry. You guys been more experienced in modern Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, James will often go, "Oh, I think I know what these is." As James, rather yeah. than as his as his character. Yeah. Whereas for me and Emily, and I think for John and Chris as well, because we haven't got a clue what's going on. Nope. It's very much a. I mean, that's why Crunk is so simple-minded. If it moves, hit it. <laughs> but then, obviously, the other thing that, that Joel is doing is he's taking things that are, you know, those, those D&D creatures and what have you, but tweaking them and altering them and playing them. So it is completely new to all of us. Yeah, you've got to keep things fresh, haven't you? I mean, you know, there's only so many times you can kill a orc. But, um, you know, eventually, if you've been playing for long enough, you will have seen almost everything. But there are easy ways to put tweaks on things. Mm. And there's plenty of sources out there if you want to sort of dig around for them. They're outside the normal monster manual and the like. Um, or in the DMG for magic items. So you can find lots of new things out there or make things up. And it's good to keep things fresh so not all players know what, think they know what they're doing. Mm. For example, you tweaking monsters is the gnolls we've been fighting because they're not normal gnolls super gnolls no. yeah they're, they're much harder than normal gnolls so mm. even super though we know shadow that, beasts yeah even though we might know that um it's you know 
it's a null. We don't know what it can do, sort of how tough it is compared to a normal null. I mean, we've got an idea now, now that we've fought them a few times. Yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah. The first time we fought them, it was like, oh, it's nulls, it's fine. And... These aren't dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're pretty tough. No, I've really been enjoying it, and it's, uh, it's been great to have you guys as a as a character party. It's been wonderful. I'm still looking forward to the next session already, which is two weeks away, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It'll fly by. <sighs> Hopefully. So it depends what we all want to do at Mage, but, you know, we'll be there. (laughs) Well, we're playing Paranoia on um, uh, Saturday, Saturday. though. True, yeah. My plan for Mage is to just play whatever I can. Pretty much. I think I've put myself down for bows and badges, but that's it at this point, so... I think that's, to be honest, I think that's it for anybody. It's because it's the only vaguely semi-organised thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, ben, key, it... Keyforge, isn't there? Keyforge, yeah. Oh, is there? yeah. oh that's right, there is Keyforge. <clears throat> um, for those of you who don't know, MAGE is, uh, stands for Mike's Annual Gaming Extravaganza um, and came out of the Malifaux events that I ran here um, at my house where everyone camps in the garden and... Um, place, but they prove a big success. A little summer gaming festival, you know, twenty twenty five people come and play games all weekend. The place that we play is a hundred yards away from my house, so we can just wander back and forth to the house. The barbecue is pretty much normally on all the time, um, and it works out well. And it's free. So- <laughs> Um, it doesn't actually cost anyone anything other than the fact that they have to drive to the wilds of Norfolk and suffer no cell phone signal and no broadband. <laughs> it's 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 nice though. It's a nice change. It's a nice break to have that. And for those of us who sort of like obviously don't want to play twenty four seven or anything like that, it's a chance as well to just get together and catch up with people that we speak to via phones but don't necessarily speak to face to face the crack is the is the main thing isn't it I yeah mean, it's, it's it's a group of people getting together hanging out chatting and talking and the games are incidental to the hanging out and chatting and i want to see what jen truby is going to bring with her this year to do because i love just sitting sometimes and watching her do art like get, getting on with whatever it is that she's bought with her that time and just you know slightly dying inside that i'm never going to be able to do anything as good it was at Mage last year that you created Crunk, Mike. Was it? Yeah, it was on the um, sort of oh, Sunday that's morning. Right. It was, yes, it was. That was when we de- so it was Mage last year that we decided that we were going to do it. Well, yeah, we'd had the first session actually with um, the others at that point, that's and you guys right, jumped we had. in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All good. And I have, I've just had a quick count, I have a note of ten things for the next session that are either either things I've thought about or things I need to remember to try and do or things that I want to try and sort out. I think I have two or three. (laughs) And one of the involvement items I've had since I've made Obelisk that I keep forgetting I have. Which one's that? 
I think you know exactly which one that is, Joel. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> what have you forgotten and now, now? We finally have something that we know something that we know we're going to be fighting in advance. So we can use it now. Yeah, true. I have some things to think about, but none of it uh, matters for you guys. And no one cares about you anyway. <laughs> no, that's not... I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see if we can find out more about... What, if we like him? Garmir. Yeah. <laughs> um, see if he's any less shifty. Hey, look, he sold me paper and ink at price. Yeah, that's, I didn't overcharge you. That's true. You know. He did. So, right then. Well, we've been going for nearly two hours. And it has been like what about D and D session. <laughs> yeah, it just kinda of flies, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So um my plan my plan is is that we will do semi regular catch ups of where we are. Probably not after every session, but maybe after every two or three sessions we'll we'll get together and if we can work out the logistics, it might be quite fun to record a session. Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, just oh, you get not... to hear all of the mindless. You get to hear who are the. You get to hear who are the potty mouths. Yeah, Sorry, be... I've been really good. <laughs> you it have been be very good work. on the show, Kathy. I haven't had to bleep you. I'm not going to have to bleep you once. Yes. <laughs> so, um, thank you very much, everybody. Now, thank you. Do you all know how the outro of this show works? No. What do you mean, no? Yes. <laughs> have you never listened, Chris? I have, yes. I've listened to the last two episodes. It's all right. It's not like there's over 350 of them. Exactly. <sighs> right. I say, I've been Mike, and then in turn, you say, I've been your name. Don't. I know what's going to happen. Well, you're all going to say it at the same time. <laughs> right, I've got a plan. Okay. I've been Mike. Chris. I've been Chris. Andy. I've been Andy. James. I've been James. Joel. I've been Joel. Kathy. I've been Kathy. Until next time. Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs> <laughs>